Black History Month is um, a commemoration, vocab word, for black activists, another vocab word, who took, took their time out to go fight, um, fight for what, what they feel is right. We celebrate black people that helped us change history. It reminds us to be strong, even in politics. Oy. What matters is what, what's inside of you and how you act to other people. Doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, just always celebrate it because you know the, the the struggles black leaders went through in order for you to be here right now. And a lot of people, they don't see me for who I am. They see my outside appearance, but they don't see what I have on the inside. It's very hard to grow up knowing that you're black and you have a lot of personal prejudice against you. I see it on the TV and I'm like, is that gonna happen to my brother? Is that, is that gonna happen to my dad? And I always have that in the back of my mind every time that I'm home and they're not home. Black history is important to me because I have to remember where I came from and I have to remember who came before me. There's still discrimination in all parts of the world, in all parts of the United States. We should still fight for what we believe in. We should still fight we for getting here. it. Yeah, we in here, we been here. We in here, yeah, we in here, cause we been here. We in here, yeah, we in here. That's it. And happy Monday to you too. This is Miss Laureen with Black versus the Board of Education, and we're back. One more again for yet another Black History Month show. This is our last show of Black History Month. And we are going to make sure that you get a little bit of knowledge to know what's going on around you because we are Black History. So before we get the discussion started, I'm going to go ahead and kick it to my co-host. Let them introduce themselves and we'll get it going. Uh, Miss Jada, we'll start with you. Hey guys, so good to be back. My name is Jada. I am a homeschool junior in the Sacramento area, and this is our last day of Black History Month, so let's live it up. Let's go. Uh, Samuel. Hello, I'm Samuel. 11, fifth grade, like usual, um, homeschooled as well, as well, like usual. That's like it. Usual for who? <laughs> All right, that's what's up. Uh, Miss Anaya. Hey everyone, my name is Anaya and I'm currently a junior in high school. Perfect. And Miss Melissa, go ahead and round us out. Hi everyone, my name is Melissa and I'm a 15-year-old sophomore in the Southern California area. And I'm so glad y'all are back because it has been an eventful month for us, um, not just on the podcast, but at Black Youth Leadership Project, where we've had multiple events, multiple chances for our community to connect with us. Um, ending off on Saturday, we did this um, Black History Month paint and sip, and the, the ladies got together. We sipped on some bubbly, not non-alcoholic, of course, and we did these beautiful paintings, and mine is across the room, um, but I'll, I'll make sure I show it because you never know what you can create if you take the time to do it. I just wanted to put that out there. Um, so look, we're Black History, and so you guys have a bunch of folks that 
you want to talk about and you want to highlight. So I am going to start with Sam because he told me he has multiple people. And so we're going to try to get some, uh, at least give me two this round, Sam, uh, and then we'll get the party started. Go okay. Ahead. I'll give you two. Thank you. Mm. Who you got for us? Who? Uh, I'll go with, okay, I'll go with her first. Okay. Okay. And let's just make sure that we got them ready to go so our folks at home aren't waiting for us to pull it together. So who is this? Melina Campbell. So she that is... Like Melanie, that looks like Melanie. Melanie. Oh, it is Melanie? It looks um, like Melanie. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, Melanie Campbell. She's the president and CEO of the National Co Coalition... Coalition of Black Civic Partic Participation, and she basically, like, she helps the youth understand politics better and help them, like, register for, register as a voter if they're eligible and, and ju not just skip it, like, skip over it. And in, in 2012, she registered 200,000 voters in the 2004, 2006, and 2008 elections, as well as 200,000 voters and 2,000 youth as part of the program. So she's very influential in, in uh, Black involvement in uh, politics. So I wanted to highlight her. And then... That's dope. Hold on, before you move on. So how many of you... Uh know that you could pre-register to vote at the age of 16 here in the state of California. Did you guys know that? No. Okay. Anaya is shaking her head. So that means you're already registered to vote because you are already 16, right? I don't think, uh, not 100% sure if I'm registered to vote, but I did know that we could pre-register. Okay. So we want to make sure that you guys know that at 16 years of age here in the state of California, and I'm not sure about Georgia just yet, Sam, and we can look that up, but here in the state of California, you can pre-register to vote at 16. And we were going, we are going to be talking about that in lieu of our uh, legislative open house. We're going to be doing a voter, a youth voter engagement forum where you guys are going to talk to some folks who are going to be running for these offices. Um, and you can ask them questions directly. So we want to make sure that not only are we reading about people, that we're understanding our power and what we can do um, to be civically engaged individuals. All right, Sam, you got one more for us? Yes. Perfect. Michelle Alexander. So she's a, she's a law professor at Ohio State, and she wrote the new Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. Mm. And she, she talks about how Jim Crow has not ended. It's just revolved into mass incarceration which i'd like to talk about how racism and forms of racism just reform into different things mm -hmm. so i personally uh see yeah i i liked her message and what she represented in understanding that racism Jim Crow is not necessarily over. It's just taking different forms and in, in different places over time. All right. Okay. Are you guys familiar with Miss uh, Alexander? Michelle Alexander? No? No, I don't believe so. 
Okay, we're going to have to get some book clubs going on around here because uh, those books are that we have them here in office for your uh, pleasure. And we also have an audio book. So if you guys want that information, just let us know and we'll get make sure you have access to it. Um, okay, Miss Anaya, what you got for us today? Okay, so I actually want to share something. It's in the Monterey Trail. It's located in Oak Grove. It's in the Monterey Trail. Um, Co Monterey Trail region. Um, my mom is. Coalition? Yes. Is that come out? Okay. The M Trek Monterey Trail Region Equity Coalition. Yes. Um, so my mom actually started a club for parents. Um, it's called FBSU, which stands for Families of Black Students United. So it welcomes, you know, your mom, your dad, even if you're not black, but you have a black child or someone in your family who is black. She invites them to come and basically try to like reimagine the schools, say like their concerns, whatever they need to talk about at school. Um, it's just a safe space for everyone to come together, especially parents, because a lot of parents aren't really involved in school. So that's a space. And it was approved by the district. So it's like a district thing, but she's running it. And then a few other of her black friends are running it. So. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about Families of Black Students United FBSU under the Elk Grove Unified School District. Um, programming under their family and community engagement office, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, why don't you think more more parents are involved? What do you guys think? I think it's because the school doesn't really create a relationship with parents or families at the beginning of the year. So when they reach out towards the middle and the end of the year, parents don't, they're not interested because they never had that relationship, bu relationship building up to that time. Okay. Uh, Jada, you have your hand up and then we'll go to Samuel. I feel like it's also because the school doesn't really let parents know what's going on. So like in order for them to like be a part of something that can create change, they need to know about the problem. And the school constantly is like, the parents are the last people to notify and the parents are like, why didn't you let me know this no earlier? Oh, because we had it handled, you know, we were under investigation. Da, da, da. Like, I think that's a huge reason. Samuel? It's also the the school systems, it's forced disconnect towards black parents and force and basically manipulating them or manipulating situations to make them less involved in the school system and less involved, especially in civil rights and how schools operate. Mm -hmm. So I think that is part of why Black parents are not as involved as they should be. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Miss Tawana also hit it on the head. A lot of parents work and get busy with life and simply don't get a chance to engage like they probably should or could. And I think sometimes, um, matter, matter of fact, before I tell you what I think, I'm going to kick it to Melissa because she has not spoken yet. <laughs> no, I agree. I I definitely agree that parents def get busy and also going back to what Jada said about the school not notifying parents when there is a problem. Like Sam said, there's a disconnect. So I feel like the school needs to do a better job with also getting that information out to parents. Something happened with your child and not making it seem like it was the child's fault. So mm -hmm. I definitely think there's a disconnect in a lot of aspects. Yeah. Um, and I also think that Sometimes the times of the meetings are inconvenient for parents because it doesn't take into account the times in which they work, the times that they may have to pick up other children 
um, the times that, you know, and, and that's why I'm really grateful for like the Zoom platform, because no matter where parents are in the world, um, they can still engage. And I think that is a component that they need to keep um, in school district because it does give parents a chance to engage. Another thing um, that I think you don't have a lot of parental involvement is they don't feel welcome. If the only time you call me is when there's a problem with my child, when you call me to invite me somewhere, I'm thinking you're calling to tell me something negative and I don't want to answer those phone calls. So um, I think that we have to do a better better job of making sure parents feel welcome and that, know, and that parents know that their voices are valuable at the table because if they really knew the game, they would know that they have more power than they think. Um, Jada, what you got? I got two people today. Not many facts, but I have two people today. Give me, give me one person right now, and then we'll come back one around. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, my first person, I'm actually going to screen share right now. So let's get that going. Um, the first person I'd like to talk about is Miss Yvette Carnell. She is the founder of the American Descendants of Slavery Movement, or also known as ADOS. And um, this picture was actually at one of her ADOS conferences, at the exact one that I went to, too, you see a little October, Louisville, Kentucky in the back. I went there uh, this past October in 2021, and um, listening to her was wonderful. She had a lot to say. She's a, I would say she's a very powerful speaker, and she's very unapologetic the way she speaks. She's never buttering anything up. She's just straightforward to the point, getting everything that she feels like she needs to across. And that's what I love about her. You know, she's not here to meet anybody's agenda. She's telling it like it is. You're either with her or you're not. Um, but yeah, she's a really powerful speaker. And I actually got a picture with her. It was so cool. And um, she wasn't the only speaker there, though. It was like, there were a couple other people, and I did get to listen to this one guy, and I forgot his name, but You're he was also very- about Ja'Cory Arthur? Yes. In Louisville, Kentucky? Yes, he Mm -hmm. He was amazing. And his um, his thing that uh, there was a workshop that he did as well. He um, got the audience to get involved and stuff. And we were writing things down. And I believe you interacted in that, too. Miss Lorene, you did that. And um, yeah, but I just really wanted to talk about her. I felt like I should give her a shout out for Black History Month since she's all about the people. Yeah. And, we, and you probably should have put Ja'Cory up on there, too. Um, because his workshop at that conference centered around gentrification and making sure people understood the process of what actually happens and how they can use their voices to read the information, dissect it. And then he wanted, um, I wanna say he wanted us to come up with a, a bill solution or ordinance, <clears throat> excuse me, an ordinance solution to the problem of gentrification out there. And they did put something into place and I'd have to, maybe we can invite him on and he could come talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, yeah, um, Melissa. Uh, do you want me to play your story or do you yes, want to can you please? Of course. So here is Melissa's story. And I had to cut it off because we didn't want nobody to get mad because we haven't watched the TV all day. But here, check this out. Well, time now for the latest in our week-long series on the young minds and hearts making big changes in this country. A leader in the Black Lives Matter movement tells us what spurred her to activism at a very young age. 
Hi everyone, my name is Nepal Kiazolu. I'm 20 years old and I'm the president of Black Lives Matter Greater New York and I am from Brooklyn, New York. I became an activist at the age of 12 years old and my push into activism was Trayvon Martin's murder. At the time, I couldn't fully articulate how I felt, but I knew that I was angry. I came up with this idea to hold this silent protest at my school and I was written up for suspension, didn't care. The only ally I had at the time was my math teacher. She risked her job having her hoodie on in solidarity with me. The principal sent me home to prepare my case for him. Came back the next day with all my documents. By the time we got out, when we went to the cafeteria, literally every single student in there had their hoodies on with the same exact message. And that's what really made me become an activist and organizer. And I haven't stopped since. And I committed to the movement at 13 years old. I made the decision to go to Charlottesville at 17 years old. The community of Charlottesville, especially the black community, needed bodies on the line there. It was a very intense situation. Like I was spit on, assaulted by a white terrorist. It was just one of the most deplorable things that I have seen in my life. Outside of the negative account encounters I had in Charlottesville, it definitely opened my eyes to how far we have not come with race relations in America because America likes to portray itself as this post-racial utopia. Charlottesville was the perfect modern day example to prove otherwise. When I saw the video to George Floyd, honestly, I, I vomited. It was so inhumane to watch that. When I went to the site where he was murdered in front of Cub Foods in Minnesota, I literally just cried because I could just feel his spirit there. I had to look outside of myself as a leader and organizer. When I say no justice, no peace, I mean that. I absolutely do mean that. There will not be any peace in this country until black people are afforded their human rights. Like we're not fighting for anything that's out of this world. My predecessors that were activists and organizers gave up their lives for the cause. So who am I not to? Ooh, so tell us about that, Melissa. Why did you pick that particular clip? So I wanted to highlight her because of how young she became an activist and how young she took action in our community. Because I feel like when we talk about heavy topics like critical race theory or race in general, people are always like, well, these kids are too young to be learning about that. But she was 12 and 13 when Trayvon Martin was killed. And she knew from that age that she was angry and she wanted to do something about it and she wanted to make a change. And so I feel like it's important to highlight these young people who are affected by these things. And we just passed 10 years of the killing of Trayvon Martin. And so I just feel like it's important to highlight these stories where these kids are young and they're making a difference as they're growing up. That's dope. Samuel. And it shows why they don't wanna uh, teach true history or critical race theory. Critical race theory, ew. It's just real history. It's not a theory. It's just real history, but that's another topic. Mm -hmm. But it shows if if people actually know what has happened, they will take if kids and younger like kids actually know what will happen. It would push the movement forward and there will be more action than there is because more people will know about it. Mm. More people would take action because, and it wouldn't be hidden under, bur buried, buried under deep, 
basically you can't find it unless you actually look for it and you're not taught in school that it happened. So they're trying to suppress more activism that to happen than than is happening right now. So that's my thoughts. And one thing I really like, oh, go ahead. Oh, one thing that I really liked that she said was, we're not asking for anything out of this world. Like, we're just simply asking for you to, like, recognize that Black lives matter. And it's crazy how there's even an argument or some type of confrontation about, no, it doesn't. You know, all lives matter. Like, we never said it didn't. We're just trying to point out, like, I loved when she said that because it's, like, it's just... It's just the facts. Like, we're not asking for anything out of this world. We're just simply asking you to recognize that Black lives matter. Oh, my God. I just, it just hit right there. I agree with that. And I also like how she said, it's people say we're living in a post-racial utopia. That kind of goes with what you're saying, Jada. I'm like, no, we're not. And she goes to show that we're definitely not. Like, being on the front line of these protests and movements, she's showing that like Jada said, we're not asking for anything out of the ordinary. We're not asking for anything that we shouldn't already have. Yeah, facts, 100%. Um, I think that the problem a lot of times with certain people when they want to argue over assertions like Black Lives Matter is that they try to take what's going on with the national organization and put it on everyday people who are actually doing the work in communities. Um, and, and that begins to kind of muddy the waters. Um, black lives should matter, just like they matter. Other people's lives matter to them. Our lives matter to us and our lives should matter to them because we built this. So um, I just think that people have a very interesting way of gaslighting a community. Um, they have a very interesting way of trying to um, flip an argument or an assertion to meet their agenda. And we got to stop that. We got to help them stop that. Um, I have a few different people that I want to uh, shout out. So I am going to start with this one. When you think mental health. In my personal life, though, you're working so ragged. You don't necessarily think of a barber shop, but at Barbarism in Compton, California, Owner Donald Conley is giving his clients more. Make sure you take some time for yourself. Than just haircuts. In a barbershop, people feel safe and they feel like they can open up. He is part of the Confess Project, a coalition of black barbers trained to be mental health advocates for men who are less likely to see a therapist. As a barber, we're trained to cut hair, but however, we're trained to read people as well. The benefits are based in science. Harvard researchers found black barbers are gatekeepers of the community and could help bridge the gap with mental health care. We believe in a culture of mental health for men and boys, and we believe in barbers. We just believe in the trust that they inherently have in the community. The Confess Project now has more than 1,000 barbers in 40 cities. We train them on active listening, positive communication, validation, and stigma reduction. Yeah, yeah. Clients like Aaron Michael Peace. He says sitting in Conley's chair doesn't just help him look good, but feel good too. There has been absolute times where um, throughout the week I go through the week like, dang, I'm super stressed. But I know on a Friday or a Saturday I have a haircut coming. And when the haircut comes, I can sit in this chair. I can um, talk to my barber. The number of people that I'm able to serve and help 
means exponentially more than the money that I could ever make. Conley says he's proud to provide a safe space for black men so they can feel seen and heard. Donya Backus, CBS News, Los Angeles. So shout out to Mr. Conley and the Confess Project. Um, we need more of that. We need more of that. We need more folks um, in our communities trained to help our communities because it's going to start with us. We can't wait for Superman to come and save us. We got to do some things to kind of try to help ourselves um, because the investment is not there. Um, so shout out to the barbers, all 1,000 of them across the country in 15 states that are trained in mental health and they are providing that most important service to the black men in our community. Samuel. And that's really important because there's in the black community, there's a stigmatism on they're getting a therapist and a counselor for your mental health. And there's a real stigmatism and, uh, in the black community, like, oh, you're weak. Oh, you can't tough it out, which that's not true. It's actually very beneficial to, to get a black therapist or a black counselor that can act, that can understand you and also help you through everyday life when life can be hard as, as a black man or a black woman because of all the challenges we face as just living as yeah. a black man or woman. So... I think it's very beneficial that he's doing this. And I really love this for black men specifically because Sam is right. You do see the stigma on the internet and social media. Like, you know, you'll see black men crying and they'll become like a meme off of it, but they're just like their general emotions. Should you post your personal stuff on social media? That's another conversation. But, you know, there's always this thing where like black men feel because of how they're treated, they feel like they have to like keep it on the inside. Like they can't, like, and if they do keep it on the inside, they probably will like push it out in other ways. Like it'll come out as anger, will come out as other things besides what they're actually feeling. They may seem angry at you, but they could really just be hurting and they could be sad, but they don't like to show that. And I feel like the black community, especially like, that's a huge thing when it comes to black men. And I love that he's doing this because men do have emotions and men do have feelings and it's okay to carry or lift all that burden off your shoulders and tell somebody because you don't need to be holding on to that. That is emotionally and mentally unhealthy. Yeah. Melissa? I agree. I feel like they were both right. There is that stigma that comes from even our own community. And I feel like that's really damaging. How are you going? Everyone has emotions, like Jada said. And I feel like it's really unfair for you to tell someone or stereotype someone and say you can't express your emotions or you're going to talk badly about them. I don't think that's fair. So I really appreciate what he's doing because it's really important for people to be able to feel safe expressing their emotions and being a human. Yeah. Anaya, do you want to weigh in? Yes. Um, so yeah, I agree with everyone. It's really important because, you know, we see on movies like uh, the girls getting their hair done, talk about drama and stuff, you know, just have a safe space to talk, you know, just be yourself and talk to your friends about it. But having that for Black men, I think it's really important because um, I do agree that there is a stigma. Mental health, especially in the Black community, isn't really talked about enough as it should be. So having that space where you can go to talking to people who look like you, because I feel like nobody got us like we got us. So, you know, just having people that understand you on a deeper level. Um, can make you feel more comfortable. It's just, I think it's a really good thing. And I want to see more of that happening. Yeah. And I think that the the biggest thing for me is 
um, the non-traditional setting. Like you don't have to go to anybody's office, lay on a white couch or lay on a couch and have somebody taking notes as you're pouring out all of your insides uh, to someone, but just to sit and have a regular conversation and somebody trained to pick on certain words, cues, um, you know that you can tell a lot by somebody's hair, the texture, somebody's scalp, if they're dealing with some sort of issue um, that they're trying to suppress. And so to have that extra benefit to have someone talk to you just in a regular conversation, I think that that's beautiful because honestly, I wish that our community took more advantage of mental health services earlier before it got to a point where we could no longer contain or um, function normally because it took a really devastating um, event in my life to get a therapist and a psychiatrist um, at the time, um, the trauma that I faced. But had I had those tools already in my repertoire, I probably could have um, navigated it a little bit better. So shout out to the Confess Project, man. That's dope. Uh, Samuel, what what do you got? Give me two more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sammy B. <ooh>, Sam. <laughs> well, Sam is pulling that up. Sam's going to uh, share his screen really quickly. Okay. Okay. So her name is Kimberly Crenshaw. She's a professor, a professor of law at UCLA in Columbia Law School. And she basically she talks about black women um face uh face like disproportionate discrimination as well as they're not protected by black men sometimes. Mm which is true, it's very true that black men sometimes stigmatize and even stereotype black women as much as other people do, which is a problem within itself. And she also um, was a part, was a, a major part of drafting the equality cause in South Africa. So she's international, she's global. Mm. I wanted to point it out. Okay. Uh, ladies, have you guys heard of Kimberly Crenshaw? I don't believe I do. Okay. Anaya said no. Melissa saying no. Okay. Well, Sam, look, you just you just hipped us to some game real quick. Uh introducing us to Miss Kimberly Crenshaw. That's dope. It says Black Girls Matter. Uh, the the co-authored a report, Black Girls Matter pushed out over police and underprotected. And you know that's something that we focus on here at BYLP, especially in our advocacy and our BGSM programs talking about the things that black girls are dealing with on campuses. So that's dope. Thank you for sharing that, Sam. And then you do have one more? Yeah. Okay. So he, uh, his name is Talibur W. Swan. Uh -huh. He basically, he talks you, about- you have a picture or? Yeah, that's that's the picture. I couldn't that's I couldn't the... find him on like a, web, a, a website. I'm still looking at oh. oh, I gotta, I gotta change it. Hold on. <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay. Mm. So Talbert Swan, he's a preacher or bishop or what is he? Yeah, he's a bishop. And um, basically he talks about anti-blackness and the black community as well as in the media and in other public spaces. And he preaches the good work, so. Okay. In both in both sides, so. Ladies, are you familiar with Talbert Swan? No. All right, y'all got some googling to do later. Okay, Sam, look at you. 
Look at you helping your helping your sisters out. That's what I'm talking about. Uh Anaya. Okay, so another thing I wanted to talk about was it's called the Black Teacher Project. And it is I'm not familiar where it started out, but I'll tell you the names of the people who were like in charge of it. Um, Dr. Misha Mosley and Olivia Yarbo, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, but I'm on the like the student part of it. And basically what they're doing is we're reimagining the schools and we have people from almost all 50 states and we're partnering with Mills College and we're creating a college level course that analyzes the history of like US schooling. And then we're doing like frameworks to reimagine the schools, like our schools and then the class as well. Um, and then we also talk about like, where we feel liberated and then I'll read the purpose. It says one of our core values at the Black Teacher Project is trusting that individual individual most negatively impacted by systems of oppression are best situated to solve their own challenges. Um, so yeah, just being able to advocate for ourselves and like make the change. Thank you for pulling it up. And also making the change that we want to see. So working with Dr. Misha and Miss Olivia, it's been very fun and yeah, I think it's the first year having the student one. Um, it's really fun because we get to meet other students mm -hmm. who are around the same age as us because it's for 11th um, and 12th grade high school students. So we, we have an Instagram group chat, you know, we talk about stuff. Um, it's never, it's another safe space that we get to be in. And I think that's really cool that they're doing that for us. Perfect. So the Black Teacher Project, if you're not familiar with it, you can go to blackteacherproject.org. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Jada. Uh, yes, I actually wanted to comment on Anaya. I think that's amazing. Um, I just wanted to give you props for finding that and kind of, you know, giving me a little education because I had no idea that they even existed. And I think that's really cool that you're a part of that. But um. Person I want to talk about, you know her, you love her. Uh, I want to talk about my mom, Lorreen Fryer. What? Let me check my screen. <laughs> ah. So Lorreen Fryer is she advocates for Black students in the educational system, and she actually shows up to school board meetings, talking about us, advocating for us. Um, uh, she has, you know, this BYOP. She goes, she, be, she has an office actually, and people, you know, they call her about any situations that their child may be going through in the educational system, whether, you know, it could be something you guys might have heard of, you guys might not have heard of, but, you know, there's a lot of incidences at school uh, regarding Black children, how they're treated, and how it's unfair, especially how, you know, they're disciplined. And so when she goes in there and she goes, ah, let me correct that for you because this, this, and that, this, this, and that. So we need to fix that pronto. And she doesn't lay off. And, you know, school board loves her and hates her at the same time. It's a little love-hate relationship um, because, you know, she'll say what she needs to say. She's just as unapologetic as Miss Yvette. And, you know, um, love her for it. Thanks. Samuel. <laughs> She also created some podcasts called the Black versus the Board of Education. I've never yeah. heard of it. I, me neither. We can look that up. Whoa. What? Y'all are crazy. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. She's also uh, has these little side, or she has a multiple side thing. She has BG, BGSN, which is Black Girls Support Network, which helps, you know, a little safe space for Black girls. Then there's BBSN that she created, safe space for Black boys um, at Black Boys Support Network. And then there's DORA, which is, what does that stand for? I do know it has to do with Black moms. 
But it's what specifically? Black women support group, but it's off a play off of the Dora Milaje on the Black Panther. They they protect the king, and so you know we come together and we surmise how we gonna do just that: protect the children, protect the kings, and um, do some self care for ourselves. So. Yeah, And then she has The Door, which is for Black men coming together. And then there's BAASN, which is Black Allies to Abolitionist Support Network. It's abolition Allies mm-hmm. to Abolitionists, because, you know, whatever. Shout yeah, out I forgot. to... What did I say? How do I say Black? Shout Black, out to Black, Black Parent Support Network. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right. Can't forget about Black Parent Support Network. Yeah, Black yeah, Parent. We got a lot of moving pieces, um, you know, and it's always fun um, to connect with community intentionally. Um, and we just found out we will be in San Juan Unified School District at one of their high schools very, very soon and one of their elementary schools. So we're super excited um, to continue to expand the support that we are offering to our kids and our families and um, the intentional support. You know, we don't deviate. We stay on our square. and We make sure that you guys get what you need to be successful. For sure. Thank you for that shout out, Jada. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Um, I'll give you five dollars later. All right, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my person, my second person to highlight, um, and my last person was Trevor Noah. I wanted to highlight him specifically for the segment I watched um, on him talking about Joe Rogan's almost obsessive use of the N word, which I think should be a podcast episode for us. Um, and I love Trevor Noah because he's funny and he takes on topics that some other people might stray away from. He shines lights on issues that need to be talked about like this and I also have his book Born a Crime which we talked about in um in my English class we listened to some podcasts and one of the podcasts highlighted Trevor Noah so I bought the book and I'm really excited to read it so yeah that's why I wanted to highlight him awesome shout out to Trevor Noah all right I'm uh let's see yeah let's start I'll go with this one this person Back in 2015, when we were starting our restaurant local, we went in with a mission to provide healthy meals at affordable prices for the community of Watts. It was critical for us to make sure everyone involved, from the kitchen staff to the builders, came from the community. That's how I met real estate entrepreneur and developer, Prophet Walker. I recently caught up with Prophet at his latest endeavor, Treehouse, a communal living space in Hollywood. We've been trained in this world, especially in America, that we only have enough money to take care of our own self, our own box. Everything else beyond that, that compassion, there's no room for that. But you're doing something much more dynamic than that. I would like for Treehouse to be the authority on what it means to design and build housing for human beings to connect again. When I first saw this and you walked me through development and then in opening, it reminded me of something very fundamentally human, you know, and compassionate where we're all sourcing from the same river, the same well, and the ecosystem of how we support or relate to each other is dependent on how this building, you know, thrives. And what entices a resident to choose this over that building right over there? In America, wealth, breeds isolation. The wealthier you get, 
the bigger the house you get, the bigger the lawn you get, the yeah. bigger the hedges go. And we go into our box of our home, to the box of your garage, to the box of your car. You take a two-hour drive to the box of your cubicle, and you get back in that box and you do rinse and repeat over and over. And we wonder why people are so isolated and yeah. unhappy in this country. Oh, it's crazy. And yet, America, 33% of non-spousal adults live in roommate scenarios. Most people have roommates, yeah. literally, in that apartment over there that you pointed to, right? Like, yeah. most people have it. Oh, that's true. That's but great. those buildings have no soul. The buildings have no soul. Shout out to Prophet Walker, one of my most favorite people in the whole white world. Um, I believe he came to the open house in 2014. I think that's when he came. Um, but I met him when he was actually running for state assembly. And I had the pleasure of working on his campaign and staying at his home. And I remember sitting at the table with him and him telling me about this dream of the building that you guys saw in the video. Um, and so when we went down there and uh, he took us on a tour of the building, I just started crying because, you know, it's something for a young person to tell you, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, especially a young person who people tried to throw away at 16. He was convicted um, and sentenced as an adult to prison. And then he got out, he got his degree from Loyola Marymount, and now he builds incredible uh, projects in the Los Angeles area. So I just have to give him a quick shout out because I love everything that he's doing, um, how he's turned in his life around and how he's dealt with um, the issues that have come into his life and and how he's making a positive impact on other people. Samuel? And it shows how resilience can lead to good things and contributing to other people's lives. He he pushed through this this obstacle of of getting arrested and convicted, got out, got his degree, and now is a real estate of yeah, he's architect, mm -hmm. architect mm -hmm. and has built his own apartment complex for people to live in. So it shows that resilience in not letting things break you when the system wants to will lead you can make an impact on other people. Yeah, facts, facts. And that particular the treehouse. So it's individual kind of uh apartments or rooms or whatever, but they have a um, communal kitchen area where they have someone come in and cook for them during the week. They had a coffee area where it's free to residents. If you live in one building and you're traveling to another place in, in the city that also has a building, you can stay there if there are vacancies. Like It's just how he's kind of flipped the um, residential game on its head. Um, and just to see it from kind of like the ground up or the blueprint to the actual building it was just an incredible thing to see so i just have to give him a major shout out um because again at 26 years old you know or when he when i met him um he's probably in his 30s now yeah he's for sure in his 30s now um but just to know that he didn't let it stop him and he he kept on with his dream and he just accomplished this i'm just so proud of him and so i just had to give him a shout out um samuel are we back to you uh yeah melissa were, were you going to add on because i saw you come off mute yeah i just wanted to i was agreeing with you i feel like what he did is amazing and we need a lot more of that and there was something he said in the video that 
almost the, the world kind of runs on money and there's this selfish societal standard or idea that you can basically only use your money to help yourself and mm-hmm. you can't help your community. But I feel like he's, he's breaking that and showing it is okay to help your community because that's, that's what you should do. You should give back. So I just wanted to add that. Well, perfect. Samuel. I also have another thing to add. He also he also ha- um, helps with representation with like black art- architects and engineers that want to get into that field. He he kind of is like he shows a way. He he's kind of like he's that man. He, is he is he is he the black print? Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I I want to go into like art uh architect and engineering work when I like grow up so it's really positive to see like a black person that looks like me in the field so I'm gonna try to see if we could have him come through the podcast I think that would be dope too I think that would be good for for us and you Samuel I think so so do you have we got about 15 minutes to go so who who else do you have Samuel I have one more person let me, okay. let me share screen all right. Uh, so it's Latifa Simon. Okay. Latifa in the Bay Area. Come on. Yeah. Latifa Simon. Basically, she uh, she helps for formally and impoverished and formerly uh, incarcerated women and helps fight injustice in marginalized communities and. I I really like the work she's doing because she's kind of like pushing the boundaries and she's not just settling. She's going forward, attacking the system and attacking it where it needs to be approached. And that's basically why I wanted to highlight her. Yeah, and she was on the Bay Area, uh, is it Regional Transit, Rapid Transit? The BART, she was on the BART board and she may still be on there, um, but um, she is an amazing person. And every time I talk to somebody, they'd be like, do you know Latifah? Like I, I've connected with her once or twice, um, but uh, we absolutely should um, invest in those relationships with people who are doing incredible work. Sometimes when you're in the work, you kind of get caught up with what you're doing and you don't really have a lot of time to connect with other people, but shout out to Latifah. Uh, she's doing amazing, continuing to do amazing work. Um, and what you will find is because there's only like a, so many Black folks doing work, a lot of us are crossing paths in multiple different ways. Um, so shout out to her uh, for the work that she's doing. Um, Anaya, are you, do you have one more? Yes, I do. And it's actually something, it's called Code Switch. And Coast. they're located in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And just going to be off the Instagram bio. It says, Code Switch is a justice-focused nonprofit working to advance the educational rights of girls of color. So basically, they just meet and talk about, you know, the change they want to see. And I think that's really cool because it's for, like, young girls and, you know, older women as well, but young girls to come and just, it's kind of like, it reminds me of BJSN Black Girls Report Network, which Miss Lorraine is running, just having the space where we can all come together. Um, so, yes, that is, that's it. And yeah, that's really cool. It's, um, in Las Vegas, Nevada. So yeah, perfect. Shout out to Code Switch. Um, thank you for sharing that, Miss Jada. Do you have anything, Sam? Do you have something to say, or are you just giving her a thumbs up? 
Just a thumbs up. Perfect. Jada, you have something to share? Are you done with your two people? I'm done with my two people. But I did find the treehouse uh, that Prophet had started. I found that really, really cool. Actually, I was thinking, like, we should visit there sometime. Take a tour. I see you can apply to go take a tour. I want to yeah. visit. Cool. Um, okay, that's something I can definitely uh, help set up. I will uh, see what works for his schedule. We have to go to LA anyway. Um, and it's yeah. really good for young people because, you know, they're soon going to be going off. You know, they probably want to find a living space that's not, you know, super like, like he said, something that has soul, something that builds community. Well, and I believe it's that. income based. We have to talk to him, but I thought he told Woo! me it was income based. Um, so, yeah, let's. Well, let's uh, work on that. Let's work on that and give him a call and see what we can work out for LA. And I believe his sister just opened up a housing community called the Butterfly Project or the Butterfly Complex. I don't know if Miss um, Charity put it up on her uh, social media last week. Um, Butterfly Houses, something like that. So uh, not only is he doing the treehouse thing, uh, his sister is particularly focused on foster care and women. Um, who have been system impacted. And so they just opened up their their building last week, I want to say, or at least two weeks ago. So yeah, we'll yeah, we'll we'll dive into that for sure, for sure. Um Melissa, do you have uh another or you're all done? Okay. Yeah, well, I'm all done. Okay, perfect. Um, I have one more that I hope we can talk about. He is one of my favorite people to listen to. You know, I like to listen to people who got some damn sense. Um he is one of my favorite people to listen to and to check out his social media content. He goes by the name of Jason Wilson. Hello, my name is Jason Wilson. I am the founder and CEO of a Detroit-based youth-serving organization called The Union. I am also the head instructor of the Cave of Adullam, a faith and principle-based male character strengthening system, which is why I come to you today. But first, let me tell you my story. Growing up, like many young boys, I desired a loving relationship with my father. Any opportunity I could get, I was there next to him, but sadly, that desire wasn't mutual. In his spare time, he would choose his greatest love, bowling, over spending quality time with me. This void in my life allowed the father wound to develop and take root in my heart. My emotional state became very unstable, and fatherlessness became the fuel for my anger, my fears, my lack of focus, and even resentment towards the person that was always there, my mother. A father to a son is like a map on a road trip. Without the map, you will experience frustration, misdirection, and possibly become lost on your journey. However, with the map, you can see your options, avoid going the wrong way, and take the most sensible route to your destination. My wandering eventually led me to martial arts, but sadly, my father, nor any man, was around long enough to see that this one interest could possibly impact future generations of African-American young men. So I turned to the streets. heart I did not want to be a thug. I felt that I had no choice. I conformed to my surroundings and put on the mask of being hard so that I could hide and not cry 
from the pain of being neglected and not being trained into manhood. And as I fast forward to now, I still see the same pain, frustration, and anger when I walk through the halls of many Detroit public schools. Our boys are angry because everyone expects them to act like a man, yet there's not a man in their lives patiently teaching them how to be one, except these individuals. So I had to create the counter to this evil. Now I welcome you to the Cave of Adullam. I love him. I think that he has so much wisdom, so much patience. Um, he has a way of breaking things down so that it's easily digestible. Um, he has multiple books um, that you can read. Um, I know I've bought a couple of them for some of the men in my life um, to be able to process some of the things that you're going through. But what, as he was talking, I was thinking about the first story that I shared of the barbers, right? And then, you know, you have him focusing on the men and boys, but then you have this man, because of the lack in his life, focusing specifically on the boys. And I just thought it was it was interesting that I picked those two as it was as the video was going on. I was like, oh, those go together. Um, so have you guys had a chance to check out uh, Mr. Wilson's content on social media? No. If you're not following him, please do yourselves a favor and follow him on the social media platforms. He has so much to share, um, the way that he interprets things. Um, some of you have questions about some of these knucklehead boys y'all be liking. Um, just to understand them better, um, I think that that's a good resource to look into. Um, so yeah, that's my last person, Mr. Wilson, uh, trying to make sure that we're giving credit where credit is due. Uh, we've had men and we've had women. Did I have any women? Did I pick any women, y'all? What's wrong with me? Did I pick any women? I think, I don't know. I know. I think I naturally gravitate to stories about men. Um, but y'all had us covered on the women part. Uh, real quick, if you could give a shout out to anybody else that we did not cover uh, today, just to put them out there and, and give them their flowers, who would you suggest? Samuel? Sorry, he came off mute first. Oh, uh, so um, I I think I have one. Don't you don't have to show your screen, love. You could just tell us what it is. Oh yeah, um, James Ruck Ruck Rucker. Yeah, James. he's he's the co-founder of Color of Change, a web-based advocacy group to mm -hmm. address social issues and. Oh, uh, it has 1.7 million uh, members in the U.S. Oh, wow. Shout out to James Rucker. Anaya, you got one? Anybody else you, you want to um, just get some celebrity. Say what? I got a celebrity. Okay. I think he's funny. You think he's like funny? His, yes, and I like the show that he's on because it talks on issues and things like that. We talked about it um, last week, I think. Okay. Um, Anthony Anderson because um, I know he was on that investigation show and it's making a comeback where it got like the OG. You're talking about Law and Order? Yes. She's talking yes. about some investigations. Law and Order. I watched so many. I've been watching so many Long Parents. But yeah, and then I I know him from Blackish. Okay. Um, 
and Blackish we talked about last week or I said but it is a comedy show with mm-hmm. let's see the mom the dad the parents are married grandma the grandpa they're married now again um few sons couple daughters girl, you going to Blackish? girl so, Anthony Anderson stay focused yeah. stay focused <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I remember him show, from but... Romeo Must Die that's that's the okay okay <laughs> that's my favorite one of him so yeah um he's really funny and yeah okay miss jada one more person um i know we i know we kind of like mentioned his name and said like two things about him but i just wanted you know to just give him a little shout out just so people you know know who he is i'm sorry you know that's when i am a clicker i just wanted to give him you know his little moments you know we may have talked about him but you know this is here he is yeah um uh-huh. And what do you want to tell us about Jacory Arthur? Besides, yeah, he's wanna... a rapping uh, teacher. Um, he used to be uh, in the public school. He might still be there. Um, he is also, I want to say, the youngest Black person elected on that city council there in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, he is the father of one. He is a musician in his own right. He is super dope individual that I absolutely admire. Um, and we do have a picture with him um, from the conference that we attended, but he is super awesome. Melissa? Didn't he come to a BYLP? I think it was the first summer social justice workshop thing. Yeah, the social justice thing that I attended. Didn't he come to that? He did. He was I there. don't remember him. Yeah, I remember. I, I felt okay, like I at the ADOS conference. That. I feel like at Ada's, Ada's conference, that was like the first time I've ever heard of him. I was like, nope. oh, he's nope. on his beard. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that was not the first time, but Melissa is correct. He was on the, I want to say it was like the Young Black and Elected panel that we did on StreamYard. And he uh, I had an oppor- opportunity to uh, uh, mediate, or not mediate, but uh, present that conference as the moderator not mediator moderator uh so shout out to him and all the rest of those that um popped in melissa you have someone else Did yes you so i want to highlight my english teacher miss wells who... shout out to miss wells. So we... wells yeah so she's helped she's been a really big impact in my life and the black students on our campus she's helped us with our the, our school's first black student union which is up and running we've had a lot of events throughout this month. And I know she's always like, you guys can do it without me, but really we could not do it without her. So I just wanted to shout her out because she has made a big impact and she's unapologetically herself and has made it very clear. She is for the black students on our campus and it's always going to be there for us education wise, but also personally, if we need anything, we can come to her. I talk to her all the time and I just wanted to shout her out because she's amazing. She is amazing, and I hope that when we come to LA, we'll be able to go grab a bite. So uh, let her know that we are coming, um, and it's just a matter of scheduling that date. Um, shout out to Miss Wells. We love Miss Wells too. We only had her for an hour, but I feel like kindred spirits or something like that. I don't know. Shout out to Miss Wells. Um, I want to just do a couple of things. Um, 
I have to shout out uh, my my bro, Wes Bellamy, who was in Charlottesville at the time that the young activist talked about going and visiting there. He was the vice mayor. Um, and he also came to BYLP for our luncheon, the last luncheon that we did before COVID started hating. Um, and then in I that have boot camp, to, in that boot camp, to in that boot camp, we, did, we did go on the historical Black Panther tour and he joined us for that. Um, and then last but not least, I have to give a shout out to my baby bro, um, Joel Jones, uh, who, oh, Joel, <laughs> he is uh, an amazing person in his own right. We know that he's had some legal challenges lately and he just settled that case and he's back to serving the people where his heart is truly at. So we, I just wanted to shout him out um, because I get to talk to him often enough but um, I need y'all to know that one mistake won't define you and how you rebound from that mistake will be the true testament of who you are as a person. Um, and then um, number two, it's all right to be humble. You know, you don't want your ego to get you in some stuff that you can't get yourself out of. So just shout out to him. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we, we, we done with this. So thank everybody for joining us for this We Are Black History episode. We are so happy that you had took time out to spend some time with us. Um, and, you know, we just gonna keep it going. Y'all ready for March? I think I'm gonna give y'all April off so y'all can relax, relate and release and then we'll come back in May. Um, but um, be thinking about these, these next couple of weeks, what we gonna talk about? Cause we gotta get back on the ball because people have been just absolutely showing their behinds out here in these communities. And so we want to make sure that we put some eyes on it and some some opinions on it um, so that they know that we're still watching just because we took a month off to do all positive things. Don't don't worry. We coming for the smoke. Uh, so with that, we're going to hit you with the way we're going to see you next week right here on Facebook and YouTube at four o'clock. Uh, don't be late and invite some friends. We got to get some more engagement. Um, we want to make sure that other students know that we're here and that we welcome them into this space and we need their opinions too. So again, we're going to hit you with the wave. Check y'all out. Peace out. <laughs>